This is the SPM Show, episode number 248. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the SPM Show. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another podcast episode. First of all, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Thank you for all the emails and direct messages on Instagram. You can find me over at the Bruce Irving on Instagram. Go follow us there. See the behind the scenes of the podcast. I'm really excited for my guest today. His name is Michael Chernow, and you probably know him from the Meatball Shop and Seymour's in New York City. He was also on a show called Food Porn and has a beverage company called Well Well. And the reason that I wanted to have Michael come on the show is I interviewed Vincent Rotolo of Good Pie in Las Vegas. And he mentioned that when he was building his team out, he really learned a lot about how to uh, the culture and putting a culture together inside of your restaurant that was beneficial to keeping team members for a long period of time. And he mentioned that he learned that from Michael Chernow when he worked with him in New York City. So I reached out to Michael and said, hey, Vincent said you should, I should get you on the podcast. Would you love to? Would I would love to have you join me and kind of talk about what you're doing? After digging a little bit deeper into what Michael's doing, he's got a lot of restaurants going on. He's got a lot of things going on. Great entrepreneur, uh, great culture inside of the meatball shop and Seymour's that he's building. So I wanted him to come join me on today's episode of the podcast and kind of talk about what it was like for him to build the meatball shop and Seymour's and what it's like to have a company that has employees work for him or builds a team and doesn't really struggle. We talk about this on the podcast. Like he's like, there are people out there who want jobs. You just have to do a good job of talking about how you do things inside of your restaurant and build that culture and really take care of your team members first. And then that word gets out to other people. And then you'll have a line of people who want to work for you. So we talk a lot about that on this episode of the podcast. It was great talking to Michael. Smart dude. Um, we also talk about what it's like to have a partner and who you should look for if you are going to partner with somebody. We talk about the uh, what what you should look for or what, doing what you're good at. A lot of people try to figure out what they're bad at and get better at that. And he doubles down on what he's good at and focuses on that inside of his restaurants. So it's a good episode. I really enjoyed this one. But before we get into today's episode, I have to say thank you to our sponsor, for this podcast episode right here. Before we get into today's episode, I have to say thanks to our sponsor, Square Payroll. Listen, when I was operating our pizzerias, payroll was something that gave me a headache every single week. It was expensive, it was unorganized, and it was hard for me to manage. That's why I teamed up with Square Payroll. Here's the thing. It's only $29 per month plus $5 per W-2 employee, and it comes with so many cool features like if you use the Square POS, it integrates all of the time cards right into the payroll service so you don't have to do that. And it also integrates with any Square time card partner. It also takes care of all of your annual and quarterly payroll tax withholdings, payments and filings at no extra cost. And it has fair and flexible pricing and it grows with your business. Just $29 a month plus $5 per employee. So as you grow, it grows with you. You don't have to pay all of that right up front. Square Payroll offers benefits as well like health insurance, 401k, workers' compensation, and pre-tax spending. And again, three months for free for Smart Pizza Marketing podcast listeners. You got to go to square.com forward slash go forward slash pizza to get three months for free. Only if you go to that website. Again, that's square.com forward slash go forward slash pizza. Organize your payroll for an affordable price with Square Payroll. And also, follow us on Instagram at Smart Pizza Marketing. Tag us with your pizza photos. I love sharing 
uh, companies' photos for pizza that tag us over on Instagram. I'm always sharing people's photos, whether that be inside of our stories or on the feed itself. So if you have a cool pizza that you do that's unique to you, tag us on Instagram, Smart Pizza Marketing, and the Bruce Irving, and we'll share that on Instagram. If you have a question, you can reach out to me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. And that is it for me. Let's get into today's episode with Michael Chernow of The Meatball Shop and Seymour's. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited for my guest, Michael Chernow from The Meatball Shop, Seymour's, and his beverage company, Well Well. We're going to talk all about the restaurant industry and what's happening with Michael. Uh, so, Michael, thank you so much, first of all, for joining me on the podcast here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on the uh, on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. My friend uh, Vincent Rotolo from Good Pie in Las Vegas is like, hey, if there's one person in the industry you have to talk to, you have to talk to Michael. So first of all, shout out to Vincent for uh, suggesting you join me on the podcast. And uh, he's a good dude, so I appreciate it. He's, uh, one, of the, he's one of the best. I've, I've, uh, I think I've known Vincent for probably at least 20 years. Did he start uh, working with you in – in uh, New York City? You know, we actually met. We were working at the same... We were actually working at a nightclub when we met. Okay. Uh, years ago. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always worked in, in the restaurant sort of uh, hospitality world. And so have I. And he and I just... We clicked. We both grew up in New York City in Manhattan. Um, and uh, we just became fast friends. And, you know, we, we've always stayed in touch. And then he ended up working uh, working at one of the meatball shops in the early days. He was the uh, GM of one of the restaurants in, in, uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, you know, and, and uh, he, he, you know, I told Vinny then, and, and, uh, and I'm so happy for him now. But, you know, Vincent, Vincent needed to have his own place for a long time. The guy is very smart. Uh, he's incredibly passionate. And really, just needs to be the captain of the ship, and so I'm so stoked that he's out there in Vegas doing it at Good Pie. I know they're doing real well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, one of our most downloaded episodes, and I got most compliments from people who listen to that podcast with me. And be like, dude, that dude is so passionate about what he does. It's amazing. Yeah, he really is. Man. He really is. So, how did you get started with this in the restaurant space? Have it been? Is it something that you've been into your whole life, or when did it all start for you? You know, I got my first job in a restaurant uh, when I was, I think I was 12 going on 13. Um, and, uh, you know, there was an opportunity to deliver food for a vegan restaurant in my neighborhood. And I took the opportunity. And I can honestly say the minute I stepped foot in a restaurant, uh, not as a patron, because I never really went out to eat. My parents didn't really, we didn't really go out for, to eat. Uh, but the minute I stepped into a restaurant as an employee, I felt like I had found uh, what I was going to do. Um, I just, I, I love people, the uh, the human connection, the human, the engagement, um, the, the communication element of our business is really what excites me and empowers me to sort of continue driving as hard as I drive. Uh, I, I, I think there's nothing like um, being able to get people around a table to enjoy uh, food service and hospitality, uh, you know, very rarely, uh, does something bad come out of it, that kind of situation if it does well. Yeah, I agree. It's like the one place where you can kind of go and no matter who you're with, you know, kind of forget it. It's almost like going to the movies. It's like going out to eat. It's almost like going to a good movie. Like you totally forget like, about what's happening in the outside world. You just focus on that. hundred percent. You lock in, you engage and, uh, you know, good conversation, good company, 
uh, and great atmospheres. You know, like I, I kind of people ask me what I do, and I say I make memories. You know, and that's that's what I do. I make memories, man. Like that's that is. I mean, that's my goal. You know, and hopefully those memories are good memories. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, I'm a I'm a memory maker, and uh, you know, I, you know, culture for me is uh, it all starts there. You know, I, I I sort of coined myself the culture cowboy at the companies that I've started. Um, I think uh, you know you got to make people feel good, and and I don't mean the people that are paying the bills. I mean the people that are working within the, the, the company organization i feel like that they are the number one most important piece of the puzzle um and you know you talk about hiring and all this stuff it's like if you create an awesome environment for for people to work harmoniously in and that and, and really all it comes down to is treating people with kindness and care and empathy um you know we're in the hospitality business for crying out loud like that that should be at the that should be at our core that should be our are, uh, are uh, what makes up our DNA. And, um, and unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. But in, in any business that I start, um, you know, the, the staff is my number one priority. I care about them. I treat them like family. Um, and when they feel supported and confident and fired up to come to work uh, day in and day out, they feel like they're part of a team, a winning team. Uh, it's hard to fail. Yeah. What did you open your first restaurant? Uh, I opened up my first restaurant in uh, Feb- on February 9th of 2010. Uh, I was 28 years old. So where was that located? In New York City? Yeah, so that was the meatball shop. Uh, that was the first meatball shop uh, in the Lower East Side of New York City, Sand Street between Orchard and Allen. Um, my business partner, Daniel Holzman, and I, uh, you know, we were able to raise enough money to, to just enough money to get that restaurant open and uh we opened it up and it was sort of um it was like an anomaly man it, it was it was uh nobody had ever we didn't expect it i don't think anybody expected it but it hit the restaurant scene globally um by storm i mean there were you know restaurant meatball restaurants opening up left and right after we opened up the doors based on the success that we had and um it was one of the most thrilling exciting times of my life <laughs> excuse me bless you thank you uh that's i mean that's a great story right like you open up and you're busy right off the bat obviously it probably isn't something that anybody expects when they're opening a restaurant because you always hear of these stories of long hard grinds over the years before people get successful um so what contributed to that what do you think made it so successful right off the bat you know, I think it was the uh, a combination, a culmination of a bunch of different things. I think it was um, the timing. Um, you know, we were at the we were sort of coming out of the pit of a recession. Yeah. And we're in, in you know, we're, we're also in the sort of epicenter of culture and creativity in New York City, in Manhattan of New York City. You know, people are, you know, the the recession obviously affected people, but you know people still went out to eat in New York all the, all the, like, it was like, you know, people went out to eat, you know, the, the very expensive restaurants felt it, but, you know, we opened up a very accessible restaurant. We opened up a restaurant that we were, we were sort of, uh, you know, thinking of as recession proof because it only cost six bucks to eat a bowl of meatballs. And so, and that's what we were selling. And so we, we, we decided that we were going to open up this restaurant and hope we did enough volume uh, to pay the bills and get enough people through the doors. 
Um, and I think what, you know, we hired a publicist early on, uh, and that was recommended to us. Daniel and I did not have the wherewithal to know that that was, the, that was what we needed to do. Um, but we, we were advised to get a publicist, and we got introduced to an incredible publicist. Publicist really helped us sort of um, refine our story and, and really better tell our story. We, we had a compelling story. Right. The two of us, you know, we worked in restaurants pretty much our whole lives. We were best friends from childhood. We, we worked in restaurants together. We always had a dream to open up a restaurant together when we were able to do it. And, uh, you know, we, 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 our dream came through over a bowl of meatballs. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that's what happened, man. It's, you know, it's kind of a fun, it's a fun sort of story that, you know, you tell your grandkids. Um, you know, when we, opened up, when we opened up the doors, there were 250 people online, man. It was totally Crazy. insane. So 2010 in technology years was like 500 years ago. So totally, there was no social media. Right. So, like today, would you do the same thing today if you were going to open up? Say you weren't well known like you are, or you didn't have all these restaurants open. If you were going to take the meatball shop that you opened originally in 2010, would you do it the same way now, or would you use instead of a publicist, like obviously use social media? Is that the new publicist now, or would you go about the same way? I would have done it the exact same way. Yeah. I I I, I highly recommend. I, you know, I think long-term restaurant publicity has become less and less effective because of social media. Yeah. But I think anybody who thinks that they're just going to go into a highly, you know, uh, a highly uh, competitive market like New York, Manhattan, and open up a restaurant without a publicist is a little crazy. You need someone that's, that, that has the ability to slip your concept under the right doors you know, yeah. so that people get to, get, get to read about them. Whether they write about them today is, is to be determined, right? But like being able to walk in the door with someone who has a, a wealth of experience and knowledge on how to get your your establishment out there in a big way is necessary, in my opinion. I don't know how necessary it is to have a publicist on retainer in years three, four, and five, but I know in those initial year, year, you know, two years, you really want somebody out there rooting for you and pitching you out as much as possible. And social media is great uh, for your already engaged audience. Like, but you know, if they're not, if they, if they don't know about the place, um, and they're not engaged because they haven't been there, who are you talking to? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I believe that it's very, very important to have a. PR and marketing, you know, components of your business today if you're trying to compete. I think what you said too earlier is you said that they helped you try to like streamline your story. So they all, they not only did they help get the message out about you, but they helped you to kind of define what your story was. So that way, when you do go out there and talk to people, you kind of have the same message or you kind of, you tell them the story of the business rather than it being different every single time. Oh, 100%. I, I, I do believe that business is storytelling. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have a story, it's going to be very, very hard to get people to listen. And if you do have a story and you don't know how to tell it, people might listen for a little while, but not stick around till the end. If you have a great story and know how to tell it, you're, you've, got, you've definitely got a leg up. Which not a lot of people know how to do. Not a lot of people know how to do. I mean, look, when you think about it, right, like, Typically, there are, you know, for thousands of years, storytelling has been something that human beings love to congregate around, right? Like you light up a fire, people sit around, and you, and you tell great stories. And typically, there's like one or two people 
that really know how to capture the attention of the people sitting around the fireplace. The, the majority of the people are kind of like throwing out lobs and duds. And then there's a couple of people in the, a couple of people in the circle that really know how to do it. And, uh, and, and those are the ones that tend to be the most, you know, like the, 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 the popular people in the town, you know, like they are the ones that win typically that gain, that get people's attention. Um, and so if you're good at telling stories, you're, you're probably good at doing business. Um, because I believe in my heart of hearts that the business of business is relationships. And, um, you know, you might be able to scare people into doing business for a period of time, but it's not sustainable. Really, people want to be in business with people that they relate to, want to be with for long stints of time. And, uh, you know, and that's sort of what I've been, I, I wear that on my sleeve. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to run his business on a P&L. I just can't, I don't know how to do it very well. And, um, uh, you know, I can do it if I have to, but it's not what excites me. I really believe that treating people with kindness and doing the right thing um, and not trying to over pull the, always pull the wool over somebody's eyes is what wins at the end of the day, long term. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that um, when it comes to building your business, it sounds like you need to be a good storyteller to get customers and to get people in your business to follow you and be those team members that you're looking for. Yeah, you need, you know, the business needs to have a voice of its own. And typically the, the voice of the business is the founder of the, of the business. That's typically, it's some iteration of the founder's voice. Um, and, uh, you know, if the founder's voice is, is, is not received well by others, it, it, it tends to be difficult to, to grow a business. Yeah. Definitely. You have to, have, you have to be able to, and I say that a lot, you have to be able to like tell the people who are working for you why they're doing what they're doing. If you can't clearly define why they're doing what they're doing, if you can't do that as the business owner, how are they going to do that to the customer? 100%. So how, so you're in New York City. It's a competitive market. I mean, I get emails all the time about people that say they can't find a team, they can't find employees, and you you seem to have built a great team. How did you do that? Like, is there any advice that you give people out there that what to look for in certain people or are there questions that you ask or how do you find and build this team of yours? You know, I think, uh, so I, I've hired hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people over the course of my career. Um, I put in the work, you know, like I, 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 I actually use what's been for key employees like management, salary employees, I actually have been very successful uh, using a, 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 an application called Culinary Agents. And I found, I found some of the greatest people in Culinary Agents. Um, you know, I would say right now, one, there's one, two, three, there's like five or six employees that work at Seymour's right now that I've found on culinary agents that have been with me for a long time. Is that a and website? It's, it's a website. It's not, um, and it's an, and it's, and you basically type in what you're looking for. You, you know, you can, you can check off all the different things that all the different, all the criteria that you need and they match you up. And lots of people throw their applications on culinary agents. Now, it could match you up with 1,500 people, right. and you need to have the patience and the time to go through all the resumes, which I do, and I actually enjoy it. 
Um, so I, 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 I do that. That's one way I go about many people. Um, and, and also when it comes down, you know, there's, there's thousands and thousands, there's 8 million people in New York city, right? Um, trust me, there's people out there that want to work. There, there, there just is, I mean, you know, and, uh, I think that you just have to be confident with, the, with what you're looking for. If you're looking for somebody to just come in and, and, uh, and be a body in the space, chances are you're not going to find quality, right? But. If you're looking for somebody to train and, and cultivate and grow, that and the person that you could potentially be putting in as a body is a is a very viable option for someone that could be an incredible employee at the company. And so I I interview everyone. Do you take everyone. all of those applications? You're like I, I'm just gonna have a conversation with all of them. Just that's where you're gonna get the information out of them. No, I mean I sift through and like if I'm looking for a position. Like if I'm looking for a GM, I'll probably meet with 30, 40 people before I pass, you know, set up the second interview for them to meet with my partner, Jay, at Seymour's. Um, but when we open up a restaurant, I interview every single employee that we have from wow. dishwasher to GM. Um, and that's just, I, I believe, like, you know, I think it's so important to open strong. And what do you, what do, and, and because my philosophy of the most important number one priority in the business is my staff, you know, the only way to open strong is to have the most incredible staff. And it doesn't even matter if they have like a, like a, a ton of experience. Actually, most of the time, I don't like them to have an enormous amount of experience because the more experience they have, the smarter they think they are <laughs> and it's the true. less they, they, they value your opinion. Um, you know, and like, man, like what I've, what I've done very well in my career is, is create an environment for people to feel supported and confident and stoked about their job so that when they come in there, I get them riled up and they walk out waving the flag high. You know, when we opened up the meatball shop, you know, things have changed a little bit now, but when we opened up the meatball shop, people were dying to work at the meatball shop. So like when somebody asked an employee of the meatball shop where you work, they couldn't wait to say the meatball shop, you know? Um, so I think that's very, very important. I think it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy uh, to focus on it. But, and, and also like, you know, trying to find people with the most experience doesn't always garner great results as far as I'm concerned. I'd much rather find... And give me the ability to actually like put my stamp on that person and say, Hey, like, let me help you be a better you, um, through, you know, what we do here, man, that's where, that's where the, 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 the real beauty comes to life. You know? Do you think that's something that say someone's owning a restaurant now and they don't have that philosophy whatsoever? Is it something that they could change and they could, they could adapt to, or is it something that's ingrained in you? from the beginning and it's not something that you can learn. Like, can you learn to build a team that way? And like, Hey, you know, what? I'm going to change the way that I communicate with my staff or the way that I treat them or the, the, the people that I'm looking for. Is that something that you could change? You know, I think that's a really great question. Funny enough, I have a podcast as well that I haven't launched yet, but I'm, I've been recording a podcast called born or made. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, 
I, I hate to be a, a you know sort of a, a bearer of bad news, but <laughs> I don't. I, I, I do believe that I was born with with an ability to really connect with others. You know, I, I think that it was something that that I've always been good at. I've, I've never had to work really hard at. It's something that just came sort of um, naturally to me, where I just like you put me in a room with anyone. And I'm going to figure out a way to get that person to either like me or for us to walk away as friends. Um, and that's sort of just like who I am. And I know other people like that as well. Um, I know other people that I've worked with very, very closely uh, who I've tried to sort of influence to be a little bit more empathetic and considerate. And it has not been effective. So, you know, I do believe that it's something that you're born with, and I think that it's something that if you're if you really put time into, you can you can you can it's definitely an uphill battle for someone who's introverted and um, like you know I kind of I kind of I, I think about it this way. There's two sides of the brain. One side is very logistical, and the other side is very creative. I come from the creative side. I lead with the creative side of the brain and the logistical side of the brain definitely is there, but it's not nearly uh, tapped in as much as my cre as the creative side. Uh, there are other people that I've worked with in the past that their logistical side, they certainly lead, lead with. And typically when you're a logistical person, you don't really care to make others happy. You're, you're like... This is what it's going to take to get from A to B. It's very fucking simple. This is one plus one equals two. I know that you can, like, maybe you can get to two by saying three minus five, but one plus one is the easiest way to get there, and I don't care the creative way you want to get there. <laughs> um, you know, like, the creative way you think about getting there doesn't actually make sense to me, so I, it's irrelevant. Right. You know, like that is, and, and there, and, and, and those, and there are people that are great for doing that stuff. Um, and they're necessary as well as the creative people are necessary, but typically creative people tend to be a little bit more, um, you know, soft around the edges. <laughs> is your business partner the complete opposite? A hundred percent. Yeah. Both. See, I knew it. I could totally tell that by, by talking to you because I, I've done like 500 interviews. Uh, and every time I talk to someone who has a business partner who's not a solopreneur, their business partner, if the business is growing and successful, is the complete opposite. And every time it's ended badly, they were just two of the same exact people and they either butted heads or it just didn't work out because they didn't succeed because they didn't have that other aspect that you were just talking about. So, you know, I have a very interesting philosophy there as well. Um, and because now, you know, I love both of my partners. Don't get me wrong, but it's not it's not easy in either in either business. It's not easy, and I believe that partners need to be aligned when a business gets to a certain scale. They need to be aligned because if they are not aligned, and there's a lot of money at stake, and the stress levels are fucking high. I'm not allowed to curse, am I? I'm sorry for... for no, go for it. This isn't a kid's show. Okay. Uh, 
when the when the, the stress levels are high, and by the way, it doesn't matter how great the company is doing or how shitty the company is doing. Once you're at a certain level, the stress levels are just are, are high, and they're they're always high. Um, and if you're if you think totally differently, like you look at the wall and you see blue, and your partner looks at the wall and he or she sees green, you're kind of screwed because you're going to be fighting on top of all the stress. So what I've learned is. I, going forward, will only align with partners that are actually more similar to me than not and, and have an agreement that we hire the most difficult, ball-busting <laughs> COO to listen to us, but to, give, to put the voice of reason into our path. Because I just know that, like, you know, sometimes when you're fighting with your business partner about a decision that's so goddamn important that has to be made, it's so painful. It's so painful. No matter how you look at it, it's fucking painful. And to know that, like, you cannot just say, I am going to make this decision. When you feel in your heart of hearts that it's the right decision to make, it's very difficult. So to, to sort of you know, mitigate that happening, because that's happened to me many times, to mitigate that from happening, next go around, if, if in fact I do choose to have a partner or do it, you know, a sole ride, I will hire somebody who is the smartest logistical thinker on the planet to tell me, dude, you are going to fuck this one up um, if you make that decision. And then it's really up to me to make the call or not. Um, but that, that, that process, I feel like, is so much more um, palatable than a fight to the finish. Right. You know, because yeah, you both have so much at stake. Whereas if it's just an employee, it's just their job to give you their advice and you right. make the decision. Now, if you were the opposite person, could you, like, if you were the analytical person, would you hire the creative person? Um, you know, I don't know because I'm not an I'm not I'm, I don't lead with an analytic like with with. Lit- logistical sort of mentality i you know i also think and you know i'm not i also think that the creative people are a little harder to come by um than the sort of business people because the business people tend like if you wanted to get the best business person you can go and and like research the best business person be like i want the harvard business school grad that ran apple and I'll pay him $17,000 million a year, and you'll get it. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, like, the guy who created, like, Tesla, there's no amount of money you can pay him to come and work for you. Right. Sometimes those creative people are, like, free spirits. They're going to do their own thing. Yeah, they're just like, hey, like, you know, Elon Musk would be like, no. It doesn't matter what you can pay me. I'm going to create something and own it all. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's, I, I think it's a little different there. I could be biased, obviously, because I'm, I'm creative, but, um, you know, that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I'm not super – I don't find myself to be super creative, so I'm more of the analytical person. Uh, I find myself – I was definitely – when I operated, I was definitely more the analytical person. I find myself becoming more creative as I talk to people like yourself more and more over the last few years. Um, but I would agree with you. It is hard to find those people who are creative, who aren't, who are creative, who have creative minds, but are also business people. Because if you have a creative mind and you're a business person, you're probably going to do something for yourself. 
Yeah. And that's sort of like what I've, you know, I've, I've always, since, I mean, since I was a kid, I've, I've, you know, I've been out there trying to figure out creative ways to make money. <laughs> What's the most creative way you ever made money legally? Oh man. Well, you know, I mean, I would say the meatball shop was a pretty creative, uh, creative venture. Um, but outside of restaurant stuff, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I, um, it's funny. I've, I've had businesses pretty much my whole life, but like, you know, cause I always was like, Oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can actually do that myself. Um, I'm gonna, you know, when I was a kid, I fell into a, you know, back in the day before email, um, club promoters used to hand out flyers in front of other nightclubs. You know what I mean? They yeah. would like always have people on the street handing out flyers. And then they had these mailing lists, these, these home address, you know, like proper mailing lists that they would stuff envelopes and mail the, mail the, the flyer to, to their mailing list. And so I was like, 15 years old, I got a job handing out flyers. I, I somehow figured out a way to connect to all the promoters. And then I got my my hands on their mailing list. And I was like, hey guys, let me just stuff all your mailing lists. I'll stuff them all. Like just, you know, I had, I had all top five promoters in New York City um, that had like 2,500, 3,000 people on their mailing list. I, every week I would stuff their envelopes and I was getting paid 15 bucks an hour um, from these promoters. And then I would pay my friend seven bucks an hour. <laughs> so I was getting paid 15 bucks an hour and I was doing one set. And then I was making another seven, 14, 21, 28 bucks an hour as my friends did the other set. And, uh, so I was making, you know, I was making a killing. Um, and it was a fun, creative way to figure out how to give how to give people an opportunity that did, that would not have an opportunity otherwise, and make a little money on you know, and and have a little have a little tax on top. How old were you when you were doing that? 15, 15, nice. 16. So you've been doing kind of business since you were fourteen, fifteen years old. Yeah, I've always, I've always, you know, when I was before I, you know, before as I I, I remember, I mean, I was selling, uh, I was selling. I lived on the corner of Eighty Seventh Street and Second Avenue, pretty busy corner. And I sold all of my toys all the time. Like I would get, I would, I would play with them for a minute and then I would sell them like 10 years old. Um, and then I got into baseball cards, basketball cards. And I was, you know, there was a card store right near me. So I was always trading and selling and, you know, doing stuff with that. And then when I was 11 years old, I got into dog walking. And before I knew it, I was walking like 30 dogs. And my mother had to, my, my parents had to stop it because, you know, I got a dick. I was hooked on it. I tried to get home from school. And then, you know, from 3.30 in the afternoon until 7.30 at night, I was walking dogs and not doing my homework. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I've always just thought that way, you know? Yeah. I love it. What, uh, that's cool, man. I mean, you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit and it shows now because you have the, the meatball shop, Seymour's beverage company. Well, well, anything else you're working on behind the scenes? I know you said you got a podcast coming out soon. When's that going to be launching? Uh, podcast launching most likely in uh, mid October. Um, I'll probably launch the podcast. I might I might launch the first one on my birthday. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got another project that I'm building right now. Um, still too early to talk about, but it, it, it's it's going to be a really good one. A restaurant? 
yeah, it'll be a restaurant. It won't be a restaurant concept like I've done in the past where I'm just trying to grow, you know, try to get to, you know, as many restaurants as I can within five years. It's going to be a restaurant concept flagship store that's going to be the sort of hub of a much sort of broader brand. What is the hardest part for you for expanding the brand? Like you have, how many meatball shops do you have now? Eight. What's the hardest part of all? Like when was the hard part for you? Was it the second shop, the third shop, fourth? Like when was that, when it was the hardest? Uh, you know, I think it probably got, like it was probably like the fifth. Yeah. Um, Cause that's when, you know, you spent a lot of money. Uh, you know, if you've opened up restaurants quickly or relatively quickly, you know, we opened up five in three years. A lot of these restaurants aren't making a ton of money yet. So you don't have a lot of money in the bank and everybody's expecting you to grow more. So you got to go out there and try to raise money, but it's hard to raise money when you're showing restaurants that are, you know, less than a year old, just about a year old, not making a lot of money. So it's scary financially in that moment. You know, that's when a lot of restaurant groups either make it or break it um, because you need money, uh, but it's hard to get money because the restaurants aren't putting out enough money and it's when the restaurants aren't putting out enough money because they're new, it's hard to raise money based on the revenues that, that investors see. So, you know, it's a tough spot. But you got past that, so it's cool, man. So if you're in the New York City area, go check out the Meatball Shop. Go check out Seymour's. Does Well Well have a website that they can, people can go to if they want to check that out as well? Sure. Drinkwellwell.com. And you're on Instagram. Uh, Michael Chernow on Instagram. Seymour's on Instagram. And Meatballers on Instagram as well. We'll link all that up in the uh, the show notes for you. Michael, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast here, man. This was a great talk to you. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Any, anything else we can uh, plug for you before we wrap it up here? Uh, you know, just I guess the one last thing is uh, gratitude is everything. And if you don't have, uh, if you're not putting any time into the into the shit that really matters, like family and friends, why waste any more time? You know, like I, I, I honestly believe, and I, I've worked, trust me, I've worked my ass off. Uh, now that I have a wife and kids, and you know, I, 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 I still work my ass off, but I just know that, like, be grateful for what you have, and uh, if. Um, if you're not getting be able, if you're not able to spend any time with the ones you love, you're making a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. So check out Michael Jer- Michael Chernow on Instagram. Your podcast dropping in October, so this episode will probably be coming out end of September, so right around the corner here. Uh, we'll have to when that podcast actually gets released, send me an email. I'll shoot it out to all our emails to so get everybody to check it out as well. Awesome, dude. Michael, thank you so much for joining me, man. It was awesome to talk to you. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right, well, thanks to Michael for joining me on the podcast. He's obviously a busy dude, so he's taking the time out of his day to join us on the podcast. Uh, Tag him on Instagram or go send him a direct message and let him know you heard him on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast and you appreciate that he joined me and uh, hung out with me for 35 minutes answering all my questions that I threw at him. If you want to go check out Michael, what he's doing on Instagram, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com. Just type in Michael Chernow in the search bar there and we'll link up the show notes for this episode where you can go see him on Instagram, go to his website, Check out everything they're doing over at Meatballers and Seymour's. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, Michael's pretty accessible over there, too. He'll answer any questions you do have. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram at the Bruce Irving and Smart Pizza Marketing. And if you need some help with your marketing, we have two ways we can help you. You can join our mastermind group, which is very cheap. And or you can hire us to do your marketing for you. We have an agency that we do marketing for pizza restaurants. We help you strategize, implement, add implementation. Uh, We also consult with you on a weekly basis and really communicate what's working up to date. 
we do that in both of our platforms. So if you are a more hands-on type of person, the mastermind group is group is perfect for you. If you're a multiple location restaurant or you just don't have the time or uh, but you have the resources to do it, we can hire it. You can hire us and we can do it for you all with you having to do nothing. Just tell us what you want to do and we'll come up with a targeted audience. We'll come up with the content. We'll expedite that content on social media. We'll run the ads for you. We'll manage all of that for you. Now with the mastermind group, there's a lot of people you see online now selling you products and services and courses. I don't have any of that. Uh, we have an agency where we can do the work for you. And then we have the mastermind group where we talk about what we're doing inside of the agency for restaurants that is working that you can go do for yourself. We have no magic bullet. And I don't claim to have a magic bullet. I don't claim to have a system in place that's going to get you busier, 10 times busier than it is now, or the exact formula for you to find employees or get 500 leads using Facebook ads in the next 30 days. I don't have any of that, nor do I ever or have I ever claimed to have that. But what I do have is many clients that we work with that we test on a weekly basis what's working for them marketing. And it's ever-changing. What we did six months ago is not the same thing that we do today. And we bring that data to you inside of the mastermind group and we talk to you about what's working. And there's other people inside of that group that give their information as well and help you figure out what's working for you to do in your business. Listen, we're all in business here. We're all trying to compete. It's a very busy, noisy world that we live in today. And if you don't help yourself out by connecting and networking with other people who are trying to do similar things to you as, as you are, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You really have to get out and networking with the internet that we have available to us now. You can easily do that with other people without even having to leave your shop. You can network and learn and implement, test, tweak, and do it all over again. That's what we're doing inside of our mastermind group. So if that sounds interesting to you, or if you want some information as to how we can help you, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. I'm not going to hard sell you anything. We don't have any courses, like I said. That's it. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate you listening. If you haven't yet, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. If not, that's fine too. I don't really care either way, to be honest with you. Um, but just I figured I'd throw that out there at the end of the podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one.